before I went in for the cataract surgery, I talked to a lot of people, and I heard a lot of stories about how it would be. Different people said, oh, there's nothing to it. You go in and you go, you go to sleep, you wake up, and your eye is all better. The cataract is gone. Your eye is clear as a bell, and the world looks new and brighter. You feel like you're young again. Other people, on the other hand, had weird stories to tell. One guy said that it could tear your retina apart if you have a certain issue in your eye and you get this cataract removed. Another guy said, well, it could destroy your vision. Another guy said that he saw tendrils over his eye after he had his cataract removed. Tendrils that would twist and writhe in front of his field of vision. And then also there were strange objects, strange spherical objects that he found himself reaching for. But that's okay. They, they all go away after a while. They fade. Don't worry about it, Bob. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Don't worry about the tendrils and the spheres. It's part of the process. It's just a natural thing as the, the implanted lens settles into your eye because that's what cataract surgery is about. Your original lens, the one you were born with, becomes occluded. It becomes clouded and it has to be removed. Through the miracles of modern medicine, the, um, the surgeon can go in and remove that old lens and then insert a new man-made lens that could theoretically last you a lifetime. It's incredible. It's miraculous. And I needed it because I was having difficulty driving at night. When I'd be driving down the street, lenses, the, my, my lenses were, were creating a strange <clears throat> overreaction to headlights and streetlights and any kind of lights, any kind of light sources at night. They would flare and there would be multiple halo effects around each light source. And it was blinding and distracting. And I really was getting to the point of not being able to drive at night anymore. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to have the surgery. I'm going to have the surgery. And nevertheless, I was scared. I, I didn't want to go in for it, especially after I heard some of these stories from people. People were really giving me some horror stories before I went in. And I thought, wow, should I do this or not? But I, I decided, yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. I want to be able to drive at night. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm not that old. I need to be able to do this. So I, I girded myself and I got my courage, I screwed my courage to the sticking post, as they say, whatever the sticking post is, and I went through with it. Went to Pittsburgh, to the hospital, and the anesthesiologist uh, came in and talked to me. The certified nurse anesthetist came in and applied a sedative, and they wheeled me down the hall into the operating theater, and uh, they began to work on me. Now, fortunately... The drugs were good, and I didn't wake up. Well, I was awake, but I wasn't fully aware, and I wasn't fully active. I was very relaxed, so I didn't really have to think about the things that they were doing to my eye. I mean, nobody likes to think about that. It's like the old comic book covers, the old injury-to-eye comic book covers that were banned years ago because they were so objectionable and, and horrific. But I, I, I went through with it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. 
And uh, sure enough, it seemed to go smoothly. I was awake and aware, but aside from a little bit of difficulty breathing a few times, it seemed like things went well. Uh, I didn't even see uh, if there was whatever was moving toward my eye, whatever the surgeon was working with, whether it was a scalpel or a needle or a device of whatever kind. I didn't see it. All I saw was a strange feedback pattern. Believe it or not, it was almost like something from an old Atari game or a Nintendo game. It was like a, a neon blue background with three short cylinders, complete with shadows, imprinted for some bizarre reason that I don't understand onto my vision. And I thought, well, I don't know what these are, but let's just go with it. So I got through it. I got through it. And, and it was a very strange experience. Uh, it was unsettling, but I survived it. and I got through it. But I'm starting to see the tendrils. And in fact, I, I, I'm not sure because I, it could have been a dream. Or maybe it wasn't. I, I don't know. I, I recall standing in front of the bathroom mirror the other night and seeing the tendrils. And they were coming out of my eye. But not like this other guy had described, these sort of little tendrils of hanging down over my eye, over my vision, my field of vision. It was more like they were coming out of my socket. They were coming out of the socket of my eye and twisting and writhing and reaching these bizarre tendril things as if something had been implanted inside me and I'm starting to wonder what kind of surgery was this again did I get a cataract removal and did I indeed have a lens replacement or was it more uh, some kind of a more spiritual replacement some kind of a darker seed that was implanted in my eye socket or in my mind in my in my in my head in some way because if indeed these tendrils continue to appear, and, 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 and I'm telling you, I, I saw them the other day, and then I, I thought I saw them again. But then I thought I saw something else as well. In, in addition to the tendrils, I thought I saw tiny mechanical arms jutting out around the edges of the eyeball, even as the tendrils came out of the middle, came out of the dark pupil in the middle, and were twisting and writhing and reaching. I don't know what they're reaching for. I don't know what they want to accomplish. I don't know what they want me to do, but 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 I don't like I, I don't like the way things are going. I don't like this. I mean, there's some kind of a force. These tiny mechanical arms are like, they come out and they're clicking and clacking and, and they're spindly and metallic and shiny. And I'm telling you, I saw them the other, the other morning in the mirror. Briefly, just for a second, I looked and I thought I saw them twisting and clicking and clacking and, and doing things around the edges of my eye. And, and then I looked, I looked, I blinked and they were gone. Is it an an hallucination of some an hallucination of some kind? Is it an illusion? I don't know, but I'm a little bit scared, especially because I've been I've been hearing voices in my mind as well, and they're telling me to do strange things as well with my eye, and that's worrying me. I don't know about you, but it would be bothersome, don't you think, if this was happening? Things were coming out of your eye, and 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 I have a strange burning feeling around the socket as well, and deeper inside of my head, and these strange messages keep coming into my mind and they keep repeating the same word again and again and again and I can't take it anymore and I'm, I, I, I thought I was doing the right thing with the surgery but maybe I didn't maybe it was a mistake maybe it was all a huge mistake and I should have backed out when I had the chance because again and again and again I keep hearing the same word in my head the same word and it's it's Cthulhu 
Again, it's repeated again and again. Cthulhu, and then Monogala, Monogala, Monogala. And I, ah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's happening to me, but I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And I'm supposed to go back in at the end of this month, at the end of February, and have the other eye done. So we're faced with a decision. If it's the same surgeon, which is supposed to be, is he going to put the same kind of thing in the other eye, or maybe there's something different will be in there? I, I don't know. What is my final configuration going to be? That's all I want to know. Not that I'm worried or anything. <laughs> or on the edge. But so that, that was my surgery. So I, I did get, I got through my cataract surgery. It was a little bit weird. But um, anyway, in case you haven't already guessed it, you're listening to the Introverted Exhibitionist Podcast. Welcome. I am USA Today bestselling author of science fiction, fantasy, mystery, and lots more stuff, Robert Jashanik. You can call me Bob. My friends can call me Bob. And you, of course, are one of my friends if you're listening to this podcast. So, uh, yeah, so I guess that catches you up. <laughs> the big doings in my world this last week. Yeah. Last Wednesday, I had my original lens taken out of my eye, and it was replaced with a new lens. And you know what? It's incredible. I mean, all the other craziness aside, with the tentacles and the little robotic arms and stuff, which I'm trying not to think about, um, I, I can see to drive at night without occlusion, without any kind of halo effect, without any kind of craziness. And it is amazing. I'm telling you, this has been like an ongoing problem. It's been getting progressively worse and worse. But I was putting off the surgery because I was afraid of somebody tampering with my eye, as you might have guessed. And uh, and yet my worry was for nothing, well, except for the strange implants and the strange repetition of the Cthulhu words in my mind and the strange languages that I'm starting to speak. In. That's another story. But anyway... I'm really happy that it went so smoothly. I'm still not quite 100% with the eye, but I'm doing much better than I was before. So I'm very happy with the results, and I can only say lots lots of good things about my surgeon and uh, <clears throat> Shadyside Hospital in Pittsburgh and the people there, the great medical team. It was really, uh, <laughs> they made it a smooth experience, and, and it's just incredible to me. It's miraculous what they can do medically now. Um, if you have coverage, right? If you if you can if you can swing it, um, there are truly medical miracles afoot. Things that you know a couple of decades ago would have been nightmarish procedures, right? Cataract surgery was not fun back in the day, uh, but now they, it's it's like there's nothing to it. It's outpatient surgery <laughs> for crying out loud. So it's pretty cool, and I'm I'm very grateful that I was that I had coverage. I was able to get that eye done, and uh, we're going to get the other one done at the end of the month, and hopefully that one will go as smoothly, and I can continue to write and podcast and do all the other fun things that I like to do, um, and, and and do those things for many more years to come. That's what I'm hoping for. That's my that's my general goal. So um, that's my big exciting news. Now, as a result of the surgery, I haven't done a real crap ton of writing and publishing work over the last week. Uh, that's just how it happens sometimes. You can't always fit that stuff in. Um, it was just such a busy week. Uh, but I'm finally starting to get back up to speed again. And that's good news because, um, as you might recall, I have two novels that are coming out shortly, uh, two urban fantasy novels. Uh, and I'm just getting ready. I'm setting up the publication schedules. I'll give you exact dates very soon. But that's the uh, 
Gaia Charmer series, you know, Earthshaker, which is already out and has been on sale for quite a while. And now I'm releasing Earthbreaker and Earthtaker, books two and three in that series. And they're coming out within the next uh, month or so. I'll give you dates soon. But um, that's pretty exciting. And then I have some other writing that I have to start, another project that I have to get rolling on. And I'm hoping to finally throttle back up to my normal productivity levels here in the immediate future because, oh, my God, it drives me crazy when I can't write. And there's just, when you have your eye operated on as smoothly as it went and as quickly as my turnaround went, which it was fast. I mean, I was back to doing things very quickly. I went back to the day job. Uh, the very next day after the surgery. So that's pretty impressive. But as as quick as that is, as quick as that might be, uh, it's still, you know, there's still a lag time where you just, you don't feel like working on the story or the book or whatever. You really need some rest and you have to rest the eye. And like I said, my eye's still not 100% right now. And, and so I need, you know, a little bit of downtime here and there, a little bit more than I usually do, uh, which is driving me crazy. But I hope to get back up to speed here in the next few days, and I have every reason to believe that that will indeed be the case because I feel I feel pretty good, and I and I feel things starting to cook again in my creative engine, which is, you know, that's a big part of the whole of the whole setup. The whole it's what makes it all possible, right? That creative engine that you have to keep fueling and 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 working with and and. And uh, that's, that's what makes it happen. So I'm looking forward to getting some projects really rolling in the immediate future. Uh, but I also have some other stuff that's been coming out that's been published recently, and, and that's been exciting. Uh, I'm going to be part of a, a new story bundle that's coming out, a story bundle of ebooks, which is called Visions of the Future. Uh, that'll include my collection. It's a new collection of short stories. Now, the short stories have been published in different places, but they've never been collected together. Until now, the collection will be called "In the Kingdom of Und- I'm Sorry, In the Empire of Underpants and Other Stories," and I think it's my best collection yet. There's some really rockin' stories in that collection. So, and it's exclusive to this, to this story bundle. And the story bundle comes out, I think, on February 8th. I think that's the release date. Anyway, just keep an eye open for it and watch my social media for more news uh, for the exact date of the release because you're going to want to pick up this story bundle. It's going to be a great group of authors, a great group of books. And uh, you know, as you know, if you've ever gotten a story bundle before, you know it's, it's a great setup. It's, it's a collection of eBooks and they're always high quality and they're always easy to download and read. And it's just, it's a great setup. Plus a portion of what you spend goes to charity, and it's always a very worthwhile charity. In this case, it'll be Able Gamers, and that's a charity that's dedicated to using, to, to uh, encouraging uh, gaming among uh, people with uh, various challenges, right? And it's really a good group. So it's a great way to get great reading from a great collection of authors uh, for a very low price, right? You can kind of set your price, um, and then part of your part of the proceeds goes to this charity, Able Gamers, and it's great. So keep an eye open for that story bundle. I'm also in a bundle of books about elves, and it's called Here Be Elves, and that was just released. My book, um, my story, The Merchant of Elves, is part of that 
collection, right? Part of that ebook collection. So you might want to check that out. It's on Amazon right now or wherever. You can look wherever you want and you're going to find it. So here be elves. And then I have a story in a in, in an anthology that's coming out now, and it's, uh, it's called uh, It Came From Outer Space, and it's part of the Amazing Monsters series. And I'm, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. It's got lots of exciting stories in it, and my story in the collection, in the anthology, is called The Greatest Serial Killer in the Universe. And it's a science fiction, it's a very Twilight Zone-y, Outer Limits-y kind of science fiction story. And it's one of the very first ones that I had published many years ago, but it's held up really well, and it's been <clears throat> republished a couple of times, and you're, you, you'll love it if you haven't read it yet. It's really crazy. It's whacked out. It is, as the title suggests, about the greatest serial killer in the universe, who might or might not be who you think it might be when you start reading the story. So there are some twists and turns and some really whacked out aliens in this. Trust me, they're crazy. And uh, I know you're going to like that. And I also have some comic stories out now, <laughs> um, some prose stories that were published by Ahoy Comics Company in their title, um, Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror. Now, that comic series is a satirical, it, it, it takes a satirical look at the works of Edgar Allan Poe, both his well-known stuff, right, like The Raven, and the house of the fall of the house of usher the pit and the pendulum those sort of stories and then also it takes a look at his less lesser known stuff and puts some cool to and then other stuff too that's that's written about or or, or based on stuff that was written during uh the same period in which poe was uh, writing actively so it's really a fun series and i have stories in issues 3 and 4 of edgar allan poe's snifter of terror Volume 2, and those two comics are out now. Um, 3 has been out for a little while, and 4 just came out. So you're going to want to check those out, trust me, because the stories, I, I love them. I really do. They're some of, the, some of my favorite things that I've written. The short piece in, in the third issue of that comic is called God of a Different Roach, and it's a takeoff on the work of a guy named Don Marquis, who was active back in the early 1900s, he was a newspaper columnist and a dramatist and a writer extraordinaire. And he used to write these uh, columns that were very, very popular back, back in the day. They were really hugely well-known. And in fact, they went on to become the basis of a, a Broadway musical uh, that was, uh, it was called a Shinbone Alley. And the, and, and the columns have been collected in some books. Um, and, and they're called, I think, Archie and Mahita Bell because those are the two main characters in the columns. Archie is a cockroach living in New York City back in the turn of the century era, and Mahitabel was an alley cat who was actually the reincarnation uh, of Cleopatra. And, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And he used these characters to comment on society and culture of the times. So I did sort of an updated version, uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world, of course, and... <laughs> And and it was fun. So if you know the world of Don Marquis or you just are a little bit intrigued by my description or you just want to read something kind of whacked out and, and fun, then pick that up. You're gonna you're really going to enjoy it. And the other one, right, in, in issue four of Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror is called Eggs of the Dog That Bit You. 
eggs of the dog that bit you. And it is, as the title suggests, about dogs that lay eggs. <laughs> and, and what happens because, because of that? And what happens to the farm where they're laying the eggs? And it's a little bit of a cross between, um, I don't know, Charlotte's Web and uh, the Mountains of Madness. or I think maybe I'm stuck on Lovecraft here today for some reason. Oh, I know why. Because of the tentacles in my eyes. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think you're going to enjoy that story. So pick it up. Do yourself a favor. You're, you're really going to enjoy it. It's in Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror from Ahoy Comics. Uh, issues, uh, Volume 2, Issues 3 and 4 have those two stories in. So check them out. Now... We come to a very special part of the program today. We're going to try something brand new. As you might or might not recall, I sometimes work with interns at my publishing company, Pie Press Publishing. And this time around, I have three incredible interns. I have a wonderful staff of college student interns, and I've decided to include them in this podcast. So we're going to start off with um, a dispatch from the University of Pittsburgh which is where my intern Joe Melillo is based. And I'm going to turn over the podcast to Joe for about, I don't know, a minute and a half, two minutes. And he'll tell you a little bit about himself and a little bit about some of his writing experiences, some of his classroom experience at the University of Pittsburgh. And you're going to want to listen because it is writing-oriented. And, and Joe's a smart guy, and he is really an excellent intern. I'm very happy to have him on staff, as I'm happy to have all three of my interns this time around. It's an incredible team. The other two students are from the University of Iowa, and they're also going to jump in on the podcast in future editions and tell you about their experiences. And as you know, the University of Iowa has an incredible writing program. So what better place to find interns who would add something to my publishing company than the University of Iowa? And Pitt, too. Pitt has a great publishing uh, tradition as well. And uh, so these two schools have given have given me some incredible interns this time around. And it's now time for Joe Melillo to tell you a little bit about himself. I'll be back after Joe's done talking. Take it away, Joe. Hello, my name is Joe Melillo, and this is the first dispatch from Pitt. And uh, so today I figured I would just introduce myself a little bit and um, talk about some of my unique writing experiences here at Pitt. So um, I am a second semester junior and I am studying corporate and community relations. Um, I hope to end up working in some sort of media relations or public relations job after I graduate. Um, And I've been interning at Pi Press, doing a lot of social media marketing type things since the beginning of the year. Um, I want to talk about a unique writing class that I took here, which was actually my intro to journalism class. And while that class may not sound super interesting or super unique right off the bat, the way it was taught was, I, I think, probably the best experience I've had in a writing class. Um, so, It was taught by a PhD student here. Um, His name was Andrew Thurman. Um, And what I really liked about the way he did things was he said the class is going to be 10 assignments for the whole class, 10 papers. Some of them were like a page. Some of them were like five. And 
he said, you know, right off the bat, grades don't matter at all. Um, we're just going to go for, you know, really just trying to grow as writers. That's what we're the goal of this class is, and it's not just to get an A. So he said, I'm going to let you redo your assignments however much you want, and all you need to do is you hand an assignment in. If I like it, I'll give you a check. If I don't like it, I'll tell you what I don't like about it, and you can revise it for a check. And so he said, if you get 10 checks, you get an A. And so what I liked so much about this is because in other writing classes, like I feel like I've been forced to focus kind of on what the professor likes or topics that the professor likes because my main motivation is to get a good grade. But I really liked the way that uh, Andrew taught this class just because it allowed me to kind of come out of my shell as a writer a little bit and it allowed me to take risks because I wasn't really worried about getting an A or you know what if he hates it and gives me a bad grade on it and so I think that's something in education especially higher ed that we need to you know go towards more like allowing people to you know, show that they understand the knowledge that they're gaining from the class and implementing new techniques, but also really trying to find your space as a writer and not having, you know, grades or things like that hung over your head. Because, I mean, writing is taking risks, and I'm sure anybody listening to me that that writes also, you know, I mean, sometimes you take risks and they just don't work. So, but, you know, we, we all need to have that space to, I guess try things, take those risks, figure out what doesn't work and fail and like have that be okay. So anyway. Everybody, as soon as they watch the show has to jump online and say, Hey, did you believe, can you believe, believe what you just saw? Um, so anyway, I'm not going to spoil the, the episodes, but let me just say this. The, uh, last season of Dr. Who, okay. The one before this with, uh, Jodie Whittaker as, as the doctor, I did not enjoy, except for like one episode. I loved the episode with uh, Alan Cumming as uh, oh, King James. <laughs> that was such a great episode, but it was because of Alan Cumming. And I think the writing was a little bit punchier there as well, and that made a big difference. But by and large, I was not a fan of last season. I'm sorry. I don't think the writing was strong. It just really wasn't. It didn't hold me. I was so disappointed because I was really looking forward to Jodie. I, I, I really like her, and I thought she'd be good in that role, and she is. But you got to have the writing. You got to have the writing, man. And uh, this season started off a little bit uh, floppy, <laughs> a little floppily. Uh, and I thought, well, you know what? It's just not there yet. But then it picked up, and there were some surprises. And this most recent episode, uh, I forget which one it is, maybe five, episode five of the season, uh, was really, um, uh, I'm going to just use a what might be a, a little bit of an offensive term to you, but I'm going to say it anyway. It was an ass kicker. <laughs> it was great. And I, I really wish I could talk about it more, but I don't want to spoil it for you. But let me just say it was awesome. So stay with it. If you've given, if you've stepped away from Doctor Who, uh, like I had been planning to do, uh, or if you weren't a big fan of the previous season, now's the time to come back because it's really rocking. Make sure you start 
with episode one of this new season and stay with it because it's worth it. So I've been getting caught up on that and then also been getting caught up on um, Star Trek Picard, which um, we're only two episodes in, so I think I need to give it more time. But um, it's it's okay. Uh, I might be in the minority on this, but I think it's it's okay. It's good to see Patrick Stewart back in that role because he is the man. And that was a great role, and Next Gen was a great show, and, you know, all hail the Enterprise D. <laughs> you can't, you know, you got you to gotta admit, they, they really accomplished something with that show, and, and, and it wasn't always super strong. Let's face it, there were some real dud episodes. Um, maybe even, like, one entire season <laughs> of dud episodes. But... Uh, it did. They did find their footing, and I think it turned into something wonderful and iconic and, and lasting. But so far, Picard's kind of leaving me flat. It's just not popping yet. So I don't know. We're going to give it a little bit more time, but uh, not super-duper thrilled with that so far. I, I saw some movies, however. I, I saw 1917, which is awesome, mind-blowingly good. And... Uh, and I'm trying to think, oh, I just watched a show about Ted Bundy, which was also uh, really good. I, I didn't know that whole story, believe it or not. I just really never got into it, but what a what a great show. It's a five-part show on Amazon Prime, and it's told from the point of view of the women who were involved in uh, the whole Bundy saga, and they, um, they they really did a great job with it. It very entertaining. I didn't really think I was going to enjoy it, but I did. Um, reading wise, I've been reading some comics, of course, surprise, <laughs> I've been read, ca- catching up on Immortal Hulk, which is really something that's uh, giving some new dimensions to a character that, uh, is pretty old, pretty long in the tooth. And it's kind of, I think it gets difficult to keep coming up with new twists and turns on characters after a while, but they did a great job so far with that comic series. So, and I've also been continuing to read, um, Oh my goodness, I can't think of the title of it now. That's wonderful. Uh, anyway, um, I've been... Uh, oh, The the Wicked and the Divine uh, by Kieran Gillen, written by Kieran Gillen. And that's a solid series. I've really been enjoying that. Talk about uh, a comic series or any kind of entertainment. It's just filled with one surprise after another. Really solid writing and uh, very entertaining. So... I've been reading through both of those series and really enjoying them. I also read recently uh, Silver Surfer Black, which was great, really solid. And uh, I think that catches you up on my reading lately. So that brings us to the uh, the, the latter half of there, the latter segment of the uh, podcast. If the, uh, you know, I feel like the tentacles are starting to squirm again. You know... <laughs> I um no okay I'm I'm going to keep under control if, if they're in there maybe they're not maybe they're just in my mind maybe I just think they're trying to come out and that little robotic arms and things are twitching and and you know clicking and clacking around the edges of my of my eye maybe it's just it's probably just all in my imagination I'm sure that's all it is so we're just going to move along now to the last uh, segment of the show which is my closing thought my closing thought tonight is related to um, writing and publishing and the fact that there are so many, so many tools and um, websites and resources out there now, an insane number of resources out there 
for us as writers and or writer publishers to utilize. It's, it's crazy. And, and, and they're wonderful tools. In some cases, it's just they're irreplaceable. Once you start using one of them, it, you just you, you, you think, how did I ever do without this before? Um, and I don't want to go into a whole uh, library list, <laughs> uh, a whole laundry list, sorry, laundry list of all these tools and, and systems and sites. But I'm going to say by way of example, uh, Books to Read, right? That's a great site. It enables you to construct uh, links to your titles, to your books, that um, you can post. And when people click on them, it takes them to a page where all the possible links to that, to, to that book are located, all the different retailers where people can buy that book. And it saves you so much trouble, and it is so much more precise. It enables you to create clean links, which are important, and and it just it lets you do things that you couldn't otherwise do, and that's just one of the many tools that are out there. There's so many things and so much information out there, but you know it it sort of becomes a little bit of an overload sometimes, and and there is kind of an avalanche effect after a while because there are just so many <laughs> tools and possibilities, and it's wonderful. It's one of the reasons why. Um, it's great to be a writer these days, especially an indie author, because it's, there, there, there are so many things that you can do that you could never have done before. You know, back in the day, right? Turn the clock back 20, 30 years. What could you really do <laughs> if you were a writer? I mean, you had to send your manuscript to a publisher and hopefully they would publish it. Maybe the first one might not, but maybe the 10th or 20th one might. And then you had to hope that you stayed in their good graces, that your sales remained high, that you earned out, uh, your, meaning that you made back your advance on your books. And um, it was all dependent on the traditional gatekeepers. It was all down to these gatekeepers and this big traditional clunky system. Nowadays, you can go do whatever you want. You can sell your books in multiple formats that you yourself can produce using these websites, uh, whether it's an ebook, a print a paper book, a hardcover book. A, an audio book, an audio drama. I mean, it, the list goes on and on. And you can sell them to so many different retailers through so many different aggregators in so many different ways. It's insane. And there, there are just so many different ways to track your sales and produce artwork and produce translations. And it just, it's incredible. But it becomes overwhelming sometimes. And it's a good idea as a writer to keep things in perspective and to try to keep yourself focused and not get overwhelmed. I'm fighting that battle right now. So <laughs> don't think I'm preaching to you, but I'm talking about my current experience, which is that uh, I have an insanely long to-do list and <laughs> there are so many tools and, and websites and things out there that um, are, are useful, but are, there are so many of them that I haven't even really fully utilized. I've only scratched the surface and it becomes very frustrating after a while. Um, but you have to remember that you can only do so much. You're only human. And you have to always remember that front and center in your writing and or writing slash publishing enterprise is the creation of new work. And that has to be your focus above all else. 
So I guess that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to remind myself that I need to get back to my good old-fashioned composition and uh, continue to use the tools of the trade and continue to develop my publishing efforts. But you and I need to also um, keep our focus on... Uh, we need to keep, keep our eyes on the ball, right? Keep our eyes on the prize and continue to write and and develop our skills in that regard because that, after all, is what it's all about. And that's why we do it because it's fun. We are writers. So that's what I'm saying. That's my closing thought for this edition of the Introverted Exhibitionist podcast. So I think that wraps things up for this time around. Um, moving Moving forward, I hope you'll continue to seek me out on the social media. You'll find me by name and also under Pie Press Publishing and IE Books. On Facebook, you'll find me on Twitter as at the Fictioneer. You can find me on Instagram as well as Robert Chashanik. You can find me on Tumblr as well. And uh, I'm just all over the, the darn place. So I hope you'll seek me out on social media. I, I also hope you'll consider uh, sponsoring me on Patreon as one of my patrons. There are great rewards on there. If you would just get in and make a donation at some level and take advantage of that, and you can be included on my podcast. Wouldn't that be cool? I will announce you, maybe even talk about you at length. Maybe I'll tell a story about you on my podcast. All you have to do is get into the Patreon and donate a little bit of money, and voila, you'll be part of this incredible experience that we call the Introverted Exhibitionist Podcast. Who wouldn't want to do that? I know you want to be a part of this exciting adventure. Don't let the tentacles and the little robot arms distract you, okay? Don't let the talk of Cthulhu and and all that stuff um, keep you from donating, right? I, I really think you'll benefit. You'll be a part of the fun, and, um, and, and I encourage you to, to join up. I also encourage you to go on Facebook and join my uh, reading group. It's called Robert's Readers. Look up Robert's Readers on Facebook. And the great thing about this, now stay with me, is you'll get great freebies. You'll get free stuff from me to read. And it's a great way to acquaint yourself with my work. And if you feel so inclined, you might want, might feel moved to write a review at some point, whatever, that's up to you. But it's Robert's Readers on Facebook, so check it out. I would really love to have you join the group. Please be a part of my family. Join the group. Join the club. Don't mind the tentacles. The more tentacles, the merrier. I'm telling you, the more squirming and strange dark gods out of the distant ancient past, the better. So come on down to Robert's Readers. And uh, that that's it for this edition of the IE Cast. Thanks for being a part of the fun. I hope to see you next time around. That would be the uh, 11th edition. Oh my goodness, this is the 10th edition, I forgot to say. This is the 10th edition of the IE cast. Isn't that exciting? Congratulations on being a part of it and listening and being a part of the fun and part of the tentacles and the craziness because that's that's what it's all about. Strange tentacles and bizarre non-corporeal ancient gods that come and torment us through our eye sockets. That's what it's all about here on the IE cast. Thanks a lot, and whatever you enjoy doing the most, um, keep on doing it as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else or yourself. So keep on writing. If you're a writer, if you're an artist, keep on arting, whatever it is that you enjoy most. Please keep doing it as long as it doesn't hurt yourself or somebody else. And I will uh, see you the next time. Well, 
unless the tentacles occlude my vision and create some kind of a bizarre overlay that will actually actually enable me to see into another dimension instead of this dimension, in which case I won't necessarily see you, um, but I'll see something. So, okay, this is getting way off track. But anyway, thanks a lot for joining the IECast, and I'll talk to you next time. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on Apple or wherever you're on iTunes or Spotify or iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, and I'll see you. Well, I'll chat with you next time around. And I'm going to go check, check this eye in the mirror because it, oh, it's, starting to, it's starting to squirm again. It's squirming. Oh, stop. Stop it. Stop squirming. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it.